What's up? Happy How's it Monday. Going? Oh, you weren't talking to me. Uh, I was talking to you. I was talking oh. to everybody. Hey, happy Monday. How's I was not going? expecting you to jump on right away with me, but there we are. Happy Monday, Rami. Back at you. <laughs> uh, glad that everybody could join us, as always. We appreciate you. Full boat today up until 6 o'clock. We have a lot to talk about, a lot of NBA. We'll hit some NFL as well. But, Rami, we start with the NBA Finals because, uh, well, that's the biggest story happening in sports right now. Uh, the Nuggets Heat Game 2 last night. And I just want to start off with this. The amount of people that are saying, quote-unquote, this is now a series are irritating me. Okay, Nick, I, I, is this now a series, though? I'm I'm getting a little irritated because we we talked about this going back to last week, Rami. There's a difference between dismissing a team and picking against a team. And I actually do find the people that are like, oh, well, now it's a series. That's incredibly disrespectful to Miami. (laughs) As if they were just going to crying disrespect. I mean, as if they were just going to lay over or lay down and be like, all right, it's over. Forget about this. This series is done. I was taking it more as, you know, the old saying, it's not a series until somebody wins one on the road. That That's what I like. So so now that Miami has won one on the road, now it's a series. Or is, Could be. Is where I think most well, – that was my interpretation because I've heard the same thing. Could be. Yes. Uh, a I, million I just, people have said, this is we got ourselves a series now. I, I heard a lot of people after game one saying like, oh, this, you know, is this even going to be a series? Can Miami win a game in this series? Uh, did you see what happened last night? This thing is oh, like I saw a decent amount of that after Game One, and so maybe I'm just correlating one with the other. But yeah, it's a series, folks. It's a series. And look, I don't know how anybody. The fact that it was best of seven meant it was a series before it ever tipped off. You would hope it was a series. It was officially a series. I don't know how anybody could look at this series and just write off Miami with what they've done in this postseason. They beat Milwaukee, the team that I thought was the best team in the NBA walking into the postseason. They beat them in five. They beat the Celtics in seven games with the Celtics having home court. Obviously, Milwaukee had home court. They beat the Knicks, who had home court. So just to write them off and say this is such uh, the series that, you know, there's one side that is so much better than the other, I just I wasn't having it. I wasn't buying it. And I, I don't understand the people that just kind of walked in thinking that Miami, a team that just continues to fight and do everything that we've seen them do this postseason, would just tap out after one game. Not to take anything away from Denver, but you know the old strength of schedule when we when we talk about yeah. when we talk yeah. about regular seasons and everything else. If you're looking at the playoff resumes of these two teams and how they got here, the Denver Nuggets beat two play-in teams. To, to get to the NBA Finals, if if my math is correctly. Meanwhile, the Heat, by by virtue of their of their eighth seed and what they did in the regular season, they had to beat a one seed, a two seed, and the Sixers, uh, or no, a one seed, a two seed, and the Knicks on on their way to to the finals. So they had a much tougher road and a much stronger strength of schedule in the postseason than, than what Denver had to deal with. Yeah, the whole this is now a series is is just silly. And, so you're and, saying it's a series. Yes, I am. Okay. And, and a big part of what happened last night is a big part of what's happened throughout this postseason. Look, Miami is shooting like crazy in this postseason. They shot 48.6% from three last night. And when I say they're on a special run of shot making, that's not hyperbolic, Rami. When you look at how Miami has done this, Cooper Moorhead on Twitter tweeted out that in their nine postseason wins against Milwaukee, Boston, and Denver, 
the Heat are shooting almost 47% from three. And now you say, okay, well, they're knocking down open shots. Yes, they're knocking down open shots. But what makes it even more ridiculous what Miami is doing, they've actually shot 48.7% on, quote-unquote, heavily contested threes. Even when teams are defending, even when teams are doubling guys and getting hands in in the face, face. they're knocking these shots down. Anthony Chiang from the Miami Herald tweeted out that the Heat are shooting an NBA best 39.2% on 34 three-point attempts per game in the playoffs. At this pace, the Heat would become the first team, Rami, in NBA history to shoot 39% or better on threes on at least 34 attempts per game during a single playoff run that has lasted seven or more games. What we're seeing is historic. What we're seeing is ridiculously timely shooting, and it's something that I don't believe any of us can quantify or explain what the Heat are doing. And you just wonder how how long they can continue to do it, Nick. And that's that's been the question with the Heat throughout these playoffs, was how long can they keep this up? You, you know what I mean? Yep. Because you don't look at this roster and think that, what you're describing, what you're talking about, these numbers you're laying out is something that's sustainable when you look at that roster and that list of names. And I said, Nick, unless playoff Jimmy shows up consistently in this series, and I thought after game one, he, he might not he might not have that in the tank. You know what I mean? He might he might be out of gas because of all these superhuman feats and performances that he's put on throughout these series. I didn't think they had a chance to win a game against such a good Denver team, yeah. unless Jimmy Butler had a, a superhuman performance. Last night, he was very human for three of the four quarters. And really, you could say all night, he had eight points. He had, he had uh, what do you have, 13 points on the night before the fourth quarter. He finished with 21, but that was on 7 of 19 from the field. 13 of 33 now through two games. You talked about the fact you go all the way back to game three of the Boston series, and he and he's not been shooting well consistently he looked he looked average last night for most of the night, and still the Heat were able to pull that one out. That's that's the one surprising thing about all this. I, I think I've given Miami as much of a chance as, as most people have short of picking them. You know what I mean? There might be a handful of people out there who pick them to win the series. Short of that, I gave, I've given them as much of a chance as anybody. But if you told me Jimmy Butler would have 13 points going into the fourth quarter against Denver, in Denver, yeah. I'd tell you this, that thing was a blowout. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And the fact that Miami did it on, you know, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson scoring 10 points in the fourth quarter and not being able to miss a shot on Bam Adebayo being sort of the guy that the offense is going through in these in these first two games. That's that's what's most surprising about it to me in terms of how they won and how this series has gotten to 1-1 to this point. And this isn't their shooting. This isn't a case of this is who they are. In the regular season, they were one of the worst five teams shooting the three this season. You know, this year they shot 34% from three-point land. They were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. And then they walk into the postseason. This is really a Cinderella, like it magic is. carpet ride type they're n- stuff. They're here. not only making threes; they're making heavily contested I just mixed threes. Up Aladdin and Cinderella. My apologies. Well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the heavily contested threes are also being made by their role players, the other guys. We're not talking about the stars. We're talking about Caleb Martin, who played like an MVP against Boston, who was invisible against Denver, but he did everything he needed to do to win that series against the Celtics. This is a Cinderella story. 
On the other side of it, though, we've seen this from teams throughout this postseason, what we saw last night from Denver, which was, look, if you're going to play Miami, you have to play smart, you have to play disciplined, and you have to play hard for like all 48 minutes. If you slip up, they're going to take advantage. Uh, Here was Coach Spolstra last night talking about his team's mentality. And our guys, uh, you know, regardless of how the head coach feels, like during the fourth quarter, our guys love to compete. They love to put themselves out there uh, in those moments of truth. And uh, fortunately, we were able to make a a lot of big uh, defensive plays, you know, down the stretch. And then we got a lot of contributions, uh, uh, which you're going to need against a team like this. They just compete pretty much every single second. Meanwhile, Denver didn't do as much. Uh, Here was Michael Malone not happy in the postgame. No, let's talk about effort. I mean, this is the NBA Finals, and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You know, and you guys probably thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. This is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. It's not round. This is the NBA Finals. And that, to me, is really, really perplexing, disappointing. And I asked the team, you guys tell me why we lost. And they knew the answer. Miami came in here and outworked us, and we were by far our least disciplined game of these 16 or 17 playoff games, whatever it is now. So many breakdowns, and they exploited every one of those breakdowns and scored. So if we're going to try to go down there and regain control of this series and get home court advantage back, we're going to have to outwork Miami, which we didn't do tonight, and our discipline is going to have to be off the charts. Jeff Green agreed here was the veteran in the postgame. Are you perplexed that at this stage of the season that that's even a talking point? Yeah, I mean... It's the finals, man. Like, our energy has to be better. We can't come out like we did, and, uh, you know, we have to be better. It's not so much that these teams like the Celtics and the Bucks and the Nuggets just don't show up or whatever you want to say. It's, again, you've got to be focused, disciplined, smart, and play hard for 48 minutes. And the fact is, not a lot of teams, for whatever reason in the NBA, uh, do that. And, and now you're looking at a team in Miami that forces you to play that way and if you have a five minutes stretch of you know bad play boom there's a 12 to 2 run in the entire game flips like early in the fourth quarter last night when Duncan Robinson went on his individual run it was like a 10-2 run whatever it was that flipped the game miscommunication breakdowns from Denver yes we all saw that they also I thought got a pretty bad whistle especially in the fourth quarter but Miami forces that upon you, Rami. They force you to play good, smart basketball, disciplined basketball, and if you fall short of that, that's how they can beat you, with ridiculous shot-making and playing disciplined and playing hard. That's how they make up the talent. And edge. pouncing, where they see mistakes. 14 tur- uh, yeah, 14 turnovers for Denver last night. Nick put Miami on, on, the, on the free throw line 22 times after they, they only had two free throws in the first game, you give them you give them twenty two shots at the free throw line and fourteen turnovers, and my Miami and we talk about like how do they do it? How do they do it? I think a lot of the time when we look at the talent on paper and the performance outpacing that, I think we just point back to Eric Spolster and the fact that he always has these guys ready to capitalize on those mistakes and extra opportunities that the opposing team gives them. And as far as Denver and the effort, I don't know. And and like you said, Nick, the Celtics have 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 shown inconsistent effort in that series. The Bucks showed inconsistent effort in their series. 
don't know if these teams just look across and see the same thing that we see when we look at this series, the same thing that everybody in this series sees when when you go, oh no, Denver is just better. They're gonna they're gonna win this game. Maybe Denver started to to feel the same way, feel themselves a little bit, and got a little overconfident. And and have a one-one tied series to to show for it. You realize this is the first time they haven't been up 2-0 in the entire playoffs. Denver <laughs> Denver has not been in this position yet in these playoffs. It'll be fascinating to see how they respond now that they're going to Miami for Game Three. Your thoughts? Game Two of the Finals last night. Nine one six three three nine eleven forty is the text line. The phone number is one eight hundred nine two zero eleven forty. We're also on YouTube. YouTube dot com. Sacktown Sports eleven forty. And when you check us out on YouTube, don't forget to give us that like. It is much appreciated. And don't forget about our website as well, pumping out the content, sacktownsports.com. We'll get to your reaction of last night's finals game. Also, could we see LeBron, Kyrie, and Luka together in Dallas? We'll have the latest for you in 90 seconds. Cattles and Robbie. Sacktown Sport. Will Marinak in the YouTube chat, youtube.com, Sacktown Sports 1140. So the Heat, historically lucky in the Nuggets, 1-9 chalks. Well, guys, even at the racetrack, these heavy chalks lose two of three. See, here's the thing. I don't like calling Miami lucky because that is disrespectful. They just have guys making shots at a ridiculously high rate. And... Look, some of the shots, you could say, are lucky shots. You know, shot clock running down, you throw it up, a bank shot. You know, some of these things are a little crazy, right? But I think there's a couple of things at work here, Rami, before we get to this LeBron Kyrie story. One thing at work is that these guys are just shooting lights out. They're playing at a, they're shooting at a very high level. Every time they win, they're shooting like 47% or better from three. It's, it's, it's crazy, mm-hmm. right? And so tip of the cap to them. I also think some of it's their offense, uh, you know, sharing the basketball. Nobody feels like they have to dominate the ball during this stretch. And I, I do think some of it could also be Miami starts to feel good about themselves. And we talk about the lack of effort, the lack of hustle, the lack of discipline against this Miami team. And all Miami needs, Rami, is a couple of shots to go down. And then it seems like their guys just have all the confidence in the world. Duncan Robinson didn't do a damn thing last night until the fourth quarter. Then he makes a shot, and it's like 10 points in a row. Boom, 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 boom. And he's yelling at his bench, flexing. Duncan Robinson is flexing on you in the NBA Finals. America does run on Duncan. I saw many people making that joke on Twitter last night. Yes. But, I mean, Nick, luck has many different meanings and definitions based on who you're talking to, the the situation, the scenario, and everything. But you could call it luck on the old... The old cliche that luck is when... What's what's the saying? Luck is when opportunity meets uh, preparation. That's what it is. Luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And that's... That goes back to what I was talking about with Eric Spolstra, always having these guys ready to take advantage of any sliver of opportunity that you give them. And and I don't think you can take that away from them. You know what I mean? Yeah. You give them 14 turnovers, they're going to capitalize on it. You put them on the free throw line 22 times, they're going to capitalize on it. That's in, in that sense of the word, 
okay, maybe it's luck, but it's also them capitalizing on these opportunities that the Nuggets are giving them. All right, let's get to the other big story of the day aside from the NBA Finals, and that's this report that uh, Kyrie reached out to LeBron James. To join the Lakers, right? No. Oh. In an attempt to uh, see if LeBron wouldn't mind coming down to Dallas. Now, we have a lot of thoughts on this, but first, does this even have legs? I I found this interesting. Bill Simmons, back on March 28th, March 28th, Bill Simmons on his podcast actually cooked something up. Listen to this. I have my half-baked idea slash prediction for Draymond's next season. Let's hear it. I think he ends up in Dallas with Kyrie and with Luka, and then LeBron tries to figure out a way to get there eventually. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. March 28th. Huh. LeBron tries to find a way to get down to Dallas. Draymond Green goes to Dallas. Interesting. I don't know if Bill Simmons was plucking that out of thin air and throwing it up against the wall, but it's pretty fascinating that, uh, you know, two months later, here we are. Uh, Sham Sharania is the guy who broke this story at first, Kyrie reaching out to LeBron. Uh, here was Shams this morning with Kay Adams. Kyrie Irving is a uh, unrestricted free agent this offseason. Um, there's been a lot of rumors about him possibly going to the Lakers and joining LeBron James, Anthony Davis there. Ooh. Sources tell me that... Kyrie Irving has actually reached out to LeBron James about whether LeBron would come to Dallas. Kyrie Irving is putting on his recruiting cap right now to see if LeBron would make his way to the Mavericks. We don't know if Kyrie is going to resign with the Mavericks quite yet, but LeBron, Kyrie, Luka, just, you know, it's an interesting concept. Now, Rami, Cattles and Rami, Sacktown Sports here on a Monday. Uh, A lot of people, I think, including myself, I think you too, looked at this and said, is there something afoot here between Kyrie, LeBron, and, you know, maybe not Dallas, but the Lakers? Ulterior motives, maybe. if you will. Yeah, Cattles. I had this thought, and I thought I was brilliant. And then I threw it out there, and you're like, yeah, I think a lot of people have had that thought. Rami, is this LeBron leveraging of him, of him putting it out there without him putting it out there to the Lakers? Hey, I want Kyrie. And if I can't play with Kyrie in Los Angeles, maybe I uh, I go play with Kyrie in Dallas. And and this is him just starting to move the pieces to try and light the fire under the Lakers a little bit to make Kyrie Irving in a Lakers uniform something that happens as soon as next year. It, it feels like that could be absolutely part of this, if not play the these very two reason teams for it. against each other. This is really, I mean, LeBron at his passive aggressive best. GM mode style like we, we've talked about LeBron and LeBron defenders will be like oh he's never made the moves he's not the GM you know this is what he does what did he do what did he do immediately after the Lakers lost in the in the Western Conference Finals oh, you know I got a lot of things to think about he throws retirement out there mm. don't you think that was trying to apply pressure to Rob Palenka so now Rob Palenka is they're going wait he might retire or he might want to go play in Dallas he immediately took over the narrative mm-hmm. of the entire NBA by mm-hmm. throwing out retirement. Yep. And so, you know, LeBron and Kyrie, there's He's zero dead. doubt. There's zero doubt in my mind that LeBron and Kyrie want to play alongside each other again. And they understand what's going on here. LeBron's best friend, as we know, Rich Paul, the most powerful agent in the NBA, they're well aware of what's going on because here's some breaking news. Dallas has nothing to offer L.A. <laughs> Like if if LeBron walked into Rob Palenka's office, Wood. If, okay, if, sorry, yes, <laughs> Christian Wood and Tim Hardaway Jr. Bam, Maxi Kleiber or whatever the hell. 
They have nothing. Like, if LeBron walked up to Palinka and said, ship me to Dallas right now, Rob, Rob would be like, dude, they have nothing that we want. It would take like a three, four, five team trade. Yeah, you'd probably have to get somebody else and some first-round draft picks involved. And also, let's not forget, Bronny is playing at USC this year. LeBron's other son is obviously living with him in L.A. LeBron's going to leave his two children the first time that he has a chance to watch his son play college basketball, short trip to USC, and he's going to leave his other son in high school playing basketball. He's going to leave his two sons to go down to Dallas? Dallas? Like, it does. It, it, it This screams. This screams Kyrie and LeBron in cahoots, trying to look at the chessboard and say, how can we make this happen? But he doesn't want to go out and say of course not i need i need more help no because he, he's already caught enough heat for saying that a few times so now he's trying to backdoor it and and in a roundabout way go hmm, maybe if i don't get some help i go somewhere else yeah it's lebron you know lebron's not going to come out and, and say i want Kyrie here he's not going to do that this way he has nothing i mean he can if somebody has i, I didn't have anything to do with that Kyrie called me I don't even. I didn't. I had nothing to do with that. And Kyrie couldn't care less because Kyrie's a free agent. Kyrie yeah. could be like, "Look, yeah, I made a phone call. LeBron's my friend." And Kyrie just generally doesn't care less. Who cares if I call my buddy? Who cares? We talk about all sorts of things. So, I, I think that's the play, Rami. I really do. I think these two guys want to play with each other before LeBron retires, and uh, I, I think this is the way for Kyrie to get the message across that. I want to play with LeBron. And everybody pretty much knows Dallas is very unlikely, Mm -hmm. which means the only other way he's going to play with LeBron is if Kyrie goes to L.A. Because we've heard the reports that they're not interested in Kyrie, that the Lakers front office is not interested in Kyrie. Yep. So this is the pushback. Yes, sir. This is the pushback. I really thought I was smart coming up with that. (laughs) People know LeBron and Kyrie well enough. Uh, 916-339-1140 is a text line. Phone number is 1-800-920-1140. Remind you, all guests come to you from the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda is your one-stop Honda shop. How close were the NFC champs to making a huge mistake last spring? We'll get to that next. So let's shift gears and get to football here for a few minutes. Talked about the NBA Finals Game 2 last night. Talked about LeBron and Kyrie. Sham Sharania reporting that Kyrie has reached out to LeBron in an effort to uh, gauge his interest and whether or not he'd whether or not he'd like to uh go to Dallas and uh Dallas is you know an interesting spot LeBron Kyrie Luca that threesome be very very interesting let's not forget that LeBron is not a free agent so it's not like he can just pick and choose I got a lot to think about to be honest Seems like a rather large footnote to all of them. And I saw some folks on Twitter this morning screaming, tampering. Oh, this is tampering. He's not a free agent. Players can talk to players. That yeah. is not. We can do. That is not tamper. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, LeBron took Anthony Davis to like multiple dinners before Anthony yeah. Davis was traded to L.A. <laughs> Everybody knew that Rich Paul and LeBron and A.D. were in cahoots to get him to Los Angeles. Like, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. You're going to sit there and, and tell Kyrie that he can't call his friend <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna track down his phone you get, I mean what are we doing here do we have do we have like transcripts of the conversation yeah, where gonna we know what was said tap his phone lines like it, all he has to say is I call my buddy LeBron yeah we're really good friends I can't call my friend there's, there's only so much the NBA can do uh so we'll keep an eye on that we have a lot more thoughts on LeBron Kyrie 
uh, the possible marriage could it happen in Dallas and all that stuff. But again, uh, let's slide to football here for a few minutes. Uh, we all know that Russell Wilson was yuck in Denver last year. He stunk. He stunk. And while he was stinking in Denver, Jalen Hurts was playing really good football for Philly, obviously leading the Eagles to the Super Bowl last year, which they lost, um, and, and, and went through, obviously, San Francisco in the NFC Championship game after Brock Purdy got hurt and had to leave. But uh, we always do these like sliding door moments in, in sports. And the what-ifs. There are some great what-ifs in sports history. Uh, here was SI's Greg Bishop on Seattle Sports 710 up in Seattle on a what-if of Russell Wilson and the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, you know, I think what I'd say is the Eagles really wanted him. I think they liked his style of play, and I think that makes sense, right? Because, you know, it's similar to Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. especially when he was, you know, in his prime and a little bit faster, I think, than now. And, yeah, my understanding is, you know, at that point in time, Russ wanted to stay here. And then ultimately that's not what happened. But um, the Eagles were going gangbusters after quarterbacks for a couple of years. And until Jalen, you know, they went into last season essentially saying, we're going to give him – everything he needs so we can truly evaluate him. And then he showed himself to be what you thought coming out of the draft. There's that old saying, Rami, that uh, sometimes the best moves you make are the ones you don't make. Mm -hmm. You think Philly's thinking that right now? I think they're feeling pretty good about that right now, that that Jalen Hurts sort of in a roundabout way landed in their laps as their starting quarterbacks after they had a wandering eye. I don't know what how much stock to put in it, but in this article from Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio says they also had interest. League circles indicate they had interest in Kyler Murray. It sounds like they were ready to move on from Jalen Hurts, and the guy comes out and puts up MB, an MVP-like season for him. And Meanwhile, Russell Wilson goes to Denver and falls flat on his face, and that whole situation implodes with them having, having to fire a first-year head coach midway through the season. It's kind of like, you know uh, the movie She's All That, Nick? You know, it's never mm. seen She's All That? Classic story. Maybe yeah. I caught it while Kelly was watching it at some point. High school girl, nerdy, you know, hair's tied up, glasses. Google this here. Yeah. She's All That. It, it, looked like, it looked like Russell Wilson was like the hot one yeah. that was sought after in that relationship. And then the Eagles took off their glasses let their hair down, and it turned out they were they were the hot commodity in this situation. By the way, whatever happened to Matthew Lillard? I don't. That's that a good question. And uh, Rachel Lee Cook, who was yes. the star of that movie. Whatever happened to uh, and Freddie Prince Jr. Although he, you might know this, he went on to write wrestling. Didn't he go on to be a wrestling writer for WWE or something? Yes, and produce. Anyways, my point is, this is not. The situation that we thought it was like a year ago, I think most people would look at Philadelphia and go, oh, yeah, I can see why they'd want Russell Wilson. And now you look at Russell Wilson you can, and you're like, why wouldn't he want the Eagles? Why? Yeah. Why? Because it was him that waived the trade. Yes. That used his no trade clause. And he shut it down. The trade. Yeah. He shut That's- it down. And it's it. Now, look, I always say this when we talk about acquisitions and all that. It's a different team. I'm not telling you that Russell Wilson would have been incredible in Philly. But he might have had a different year with Philly than he had with Denver. You, yep. We have no idea. We have no clue, right? There, there were some offensive line issues. There was a major coaching issue in Denver last year. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the Russell we saw in Denver would have been the Russell we saw in Philly. But it does absolutely mean that Jalen Hurts would not have played. And that would have changed this offense. Like Russell Wilson does not have the same level of athleticism that Hurts does. He used to. He's not the same guy athletically. And I know there's a story out there saying he's lost weight, he's lean and mean, he's, he's saying all the right things. He didn't look 
chunky or out of shape to me last but year. But he's, he's just not the same guy athletically. And I don't think it has to do with how much weight he's carrying. I think it has to do with he took a lot of hits. He was sacked a ton of times in Seattle. And he's shown some of that wear and tear. So it doesn't necessarily mean that Wilson would have been just bad in Philly. But, man, when you look at Jalen Hurts, he, he certainly seems like he's perfect for that team and perfect for that city and perfect for that offense. I, I don't see any reason why. Um, you know, Russell Wilson would have outplayed Hurts. He might have played better than he played in Denver, but to tell me he would have outplayed Jalen Hurts last year the way Hurts played, the run, the pass, the RPO game, he, he's a perfect fit for that team. And inevitably, the, the other interesting question to all of this is, if Russell Wilson ended up in Philly, if he did not waive, you know, that idea and say thanks but no thanks, would, would Hurts have gone to Seattle? Would that be part of the deal? And if not, where would Jalen Hurts have gone? And what would have happened with Jalen Hurts last year? And would he have been signed that huge, gigantic contract that he got to sign because of what he did in Philly? But you know what? I always talk about how not just fans, but it seems like even front offices and coaching staffs in the NFL, more than any other sport, can be victims of recency bias. Yeah. And, and a guy can be bad for a year or even half a year, and we're ready to write them off. You know what I mean? And we're sitting here, Nick, a year ago, or yeah, about a year ago, year and a half ago, Russell Wilson, through his agent, was re- releasing the names of teams that he would accept trades to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now we're sitting here going, Denver is stuck with this dude and that huge contract that they paid him. It's not out of the realm of possibility that a year from now we're sitting here going, oh, Russell Wilson is still really good at football. That was just one bad year. You know what I mean? Like this this stuff changes real quick in the NFL, and we tend to forget real quick how good guys were and and don't see don't see the possibility that they can get back there. I think Russell Wilson could get back there. I don't think that's that's a crazy thought to have, especially with Sean Payton now. In Denver, I can see it happening. If it doesn't work this year, then I think he's done. Probably. Because, yes, yeah. he's got the head coach. He has the weapons. He should have a good season. He doesn't have really many excuses to throw out there. Uh, I remember the story you know, that was written about Russell last year after the trade was made, and it went into great detail how Seattle was not necessarily bullish on Russell anymore, that, that they saw it on film, that he was starting to decline physically and athletically. So we'll see. We'll see. Because last year, yeah, you, you can have some of uh, the change of scenery. We can talk about Denver's wide receivers being injured. We can talk about the coaching disaster with Hackett. Uh, that's not the case this year. So we'll see. Again, given health, he doesn't have many excuses. And if he struggles this year, I think we could all look at Russell Wilson and say, okay, he is officially on the decline, getting to his mid-30s, and uh, we probably have seen the best of him. So have you seen She's All That? Did it ring a bell uh, when you Googled it or no? No, nah, I don't know. Solid movie. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Top of my head, couldn't tell you. Solid movie. A former NBA player might be uh, my spirit animal. Find out why coming up. That sounded like the CD was skipping at the beginning of the song. Is yeah. that how the song goes or was there no idea. Was there like a technical glitch of some sort? That was me hitting a button twice. Oh, okay. <laughs> JJ Got stuck back here. <laughs> I thought that was like some innovative like tempo change or or uh, DJing for real back here, right? <laughs> 
JJ remixed the song by accident, and it I, worked. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if it was a remix or if that was how they intended. I hit like three buttons at one time, and I was trying to hit the sweeper and everything. They just went firing off. All hell was breaking loose in the bag. Had I not said anything, no one else probably would have been able to tell. That's but, my bad. Yeah, you found something to That's- say. Shocker. You found a way to squeeze it in. Could you imagine? You are the absolute worst. Could you imagine? Uh, so first take, I'm not a big fan. Are you a fan in any way? Uh, yeah, sometimes I can take it in doses. So JJ Reddick and uh, Kendrick Perkins were on the show this morning. It feels like Reddick's on every day. I mean, I, I never watched the show, so I, think I that's, couldn't tell. I you. think that's during the playoffs. He's in heavy rotation. Okay. Yeah. All right. A rumor that Shannon Sharp might be the guy. That moves on into that. That could be entertaining. Uh, so Reddick was, again, on the show this morning with Kendrick Perkins, and uh, here was a little bit of back and forth. This is not the first time a team has made uh, been, been more physical with Jamal Murray and tried to disrupt their two, two-man action. For as well as the Nuggets have played at times, I, Perk, is that you moaning in my ear over and over again? Yeah, I know. I, mean, I was getting it's ready to ask you. You sound like you got sleep apnea, Perk. Are you okay? Would you all right? Are you okay? Yeah, that's me. It's okay. Not, it's, it's, all right. It's not Are you moaning. intentionally? It's Are you intentionally moaning. trying to be disgusted? Oh yes, I am. God. It's, it's a gross intention. noise, man. Keep, it's a gross noise. Keep going. That's all right. I'm well, just saying that's going. very disrespectful. You, have, you don't have to sound like you got sleep apnea on live television. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's very disrespectful. I came on here. I already knew it. I already knew that the peanut gallery was going to be against Big Perk anyway. I came on here ready for the smoke. So that's fine. You and JJ could team up. I'm ready. I'm sitting right here. I'm not going nowhere. I came into yeah. this world one deep, and I'm going to come on first. All right, but then let him What did he say? He came into this world one deep? Is that what he said? I came on here ready for the smoke. I came away ready for the smoke. <laughs> JJ Reddick is my dude, spirit animal, dude. Dude, you can't, you can't just chug it up to. Oh, everybody's out to get me. When you, you can't. What was I already it? knew that the peanut gallery was gonna be against Big Perk anyway. Big Perk anyway. So I'm right here. It's right here. Right here. <laughs> Right here. Dude, right here. I'm sitting right, right here. Right here. Came into this world one deep. I'm sitting right here. I already knew the peanut gallery was going to. Dude, that has nothing to do with the peanut gallery or haters. What are those noises he's making? Dude, I couldn't do it. I could, Like, I, I've said it before. If anybody was listening to the show last week with the snack exchange, that segment almost ended me. I can't deal with the sounds. Like when I'm at when I'm when I'm at a movie, and I haven't gone to a movie since the pandemic. But <laughs> we go to a movie and the crinkling of the popcorn bags and the eating and the I can't do it, dude. I can't do it. It drives me insane. I I want to get up and walk out. <sighs> if I was doing a show with Perk and he was doing that, man, I'd lose it. I'd get up and walk out. I honestly would. <laughs> I, I do like Stephen A., who obviously really loved his sleep apnea line because he, he went back to back it the to second it. time around. <laughs> For the peanut gallery in the back, yeah. might not have heard me say it. Yeah, I don't know what Perk was doing. <laughs> obviously, he was trying to uh, emote on was the he? I thought he was just, like, catching his breath. I didn't know what that was when I first heard it. 
thought he was yawning at first. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, yawn slash disgusted slash falling. I, I don't know what. There was some lip smacking in there. Oh, oh it's all, dude, I can't do it. I realized that like if I was ever on TV, it wouldn't work. If I was like in the setup like they're at and I'm somewhere else and somebody's in my ear and I'm hearing that, I, I would lose my mind. <laughs> That's twice now where J.J. Reddick on first take. You got to give him some credit. Has said what we were all thinking. First with Mad Dog last week. He was like, you're the absolute worst. But you're the absolute worst. <laughs> yeah. But you are the absolute worst. <laughs> and now telling Big Perk those sounds are disgusting. He's all of us when we turn on first take. In the morning, if you turn on first take in the morning, just saying what we're all thinking. Kudos to, we've had our beef with him around here. Kudos to J.J. Reddick. Cole G says that uh, when he goes to the movies, they have the volume turned up to 11. Again, YouTube.com, Sacktown Sports 1140. Says I can't hear anyone snacking. Look, I don't even blame the other people. I know this is a me thing. This is a, this yep. is completely a me thing. You really haven't been to the theater since the pandemic? I don't think I have. Really? Yeah. I've not been, but I don't. I, I don't go see a lot of movies to begin with. It wasn't okay. like I was frequenting the sure you know movie yeah, yeah, scene yeah. before the pandemic. But uh, it, it's just yeah, dude. I can't. I can't do it. I, like I again. I know it's me. I feel bad for Kelly because like Kelly knows and she like try to eat a little quieter than you know normal I mean, people, people eat would. popcorn in a theater. What is I, I, again? I'm not holding it against the people. I'm, I I know it's me. I, I don't know how. More clear I could be about this. It's, I'm not. I'm not saying they're wrong for eating in the in the uh, movie theater. I, I understand. It's just me. I, I don't like the sound of eating and chewing and rustling around. I, I just don't like. What is it? ASMR? What the hell is it? Yes, is that, ASMR. Not for me. Like it. It, it just. It, so it, what are we gonna do about the snack exchange? Because I bought snacks for the snack exchange. Yeah, I'm gonna leave the studio. I, d- Perk, <laughs> is that you moaning in my ear over and over again? Is that? Is that what that was? Can you please not do that? <laughs> Moaning in my ear? <laughs> and Perk completely just turns it around and starts blaming. Oh, you guys are haters. Oh. Blaming the peanut gallery. I knew gallery. I was going to come here today and, and, and face the peanut I gallery. Came ready for the smoke. <laughs> I came for here the ready smoke. for the smoke. I love the pronunciation of right here, though. That's my favorite part. Here. Right here. Here. <laughs> here. A move, like a fighting video game. I'm right here. I'm sitting right here. He's always running out of breath, though, when you think about it. Like, every time he's talking, it sounds like he's gasping for his last word. I worry about Perk. And I mean that. I would say that to be insulting at all. I'm, I'm a big boy, too. I worry about Perk sometimes. He's a big man. He's a big man. He came out and said that he was, like, trying to lose weight, like, Good. Uh, two years ago. And Good. He, it's a, he it's lost a, struggle, a few man. pounds. And then I know the right struggle. Back. I'm up and down all the time. Oof. People tell me I'm looking jacked, though, lately. Huh? Who has said that? YouTube.com slash Sports. Nobody has said you look jacked. Nobody. Emily, maybe. After after nah, a few on Friday she's night, the possibly. Last. She's the last. She doesn't want me getting too, <laughs> too out of myself. Here's the other thing I like about Perk. Um, he he tends to every once in a while, like, he he's the whole move the hell on guy, right? But every once in a while, carry he'll the hell on. Th- carry the hell yes. on. Uh, every once in a while, he'll throw something out there like that's just so obvious, and then act like it's like a hot take <laughs> and, and say like, the, "Carry the hell on." Yeah, carry the hell on. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that's what we were all thinking. Be like, Coach Spolster is the best coach in the NBA. Carry, carry the, the hell, hell on. on. Yeah, we. That's what we were all thinking. Thanks, what, Perk. Why do I have to carry the hell on? 
That's exactly what I was thinking. I appreciate the obvious take, my friend. <laughs> but maybe if you say carry the hell on, it means, you know, it, it, it might make it look better. A more hot take. That's his brand, man. That's his, that's his catchphrase. Um, Cole G says, if you're going to dramas or artsy movies, it'd be a problem. No, anything. Anything. Really? Like well, an action movie, there are explosions. Well, if it's like loud, like if it's so loud that I can't hear it, no. But, you know. Mm. 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 Ah. <laughs> Switching gears quick, by the way. Um, Want to make sure that this is like a legit. Yes, Doug Smith. What? Who uh, covers the Raptors. Just oh, tweeted out. This is a uh, this is an update for Jordy Fernandez and Kings fans. If you were concerned about Jordy uh, leaving the Kings this offseason, according to Doug Smith and Brennan Nunez is the one that tweeted this out a moment ago. According to multiple sources, neither Steve Nash nor Jordy Fernandez have been invited for a second interview for the Toronto job. So it sounds like Jordy is going to be back here around. in Sacramento because Toronto obviously is the only job that is left. Uh, bad for Jordy. Good for the Kings, though. Oldish yeller dog. I'm exactly the same way. Can't do people eating or chewing. Can't do it. I mean, loud chewers, yes. But just regular chewing. Any. Any chewers. Gets to me. And, I, again, I know it's not their fault. It's, it's, it's totally a me thing. That's a Nick problem. I'm taking accountability yeah. for this. I know there's something off, people. Oh, yeah. There's a lot off, honestly. That's just part of it. That's just a small sliver of what's off. All right, up next, did Michael Malone cost his team in the final seconds last night? 